Hello and welcome to Nerd Girl Musings Podcast. My name is Jen and I'm so glad you're here. Today I want to talk about a movie that actually wasn't on my radar initially until I saw something the other day that said 30th anniversary of Point Break. And Point Break is one of those movies that I absolutely love, but I forget about. Like it doesn't come up on my normal gee, I don't know what I want to watch, I'll put this on type of playlist. So I thought this one was a good one to take another look at, to watch again, to relive all my fun Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves moments, and remember why I like this movie so much. So like I said, it came out 30 years ago in 1991, which technically, if you ask me, it was 10 years ago, not 30, but... Uh, I refuse to think it was that long ago, but uh, this movie was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who most people know from Zero Dark Thirty in 2012. That was her largest grossing film to date. Um, Point Break was the, the largest for her previous to that. At the time, she was married to, um, oh goodness. James Cameron. Uh, They were married at the time, and they had purchased the rights to this movie. But this movie had been shopped around for many, many years, and it actually was attached to Ridley Scott. And uh, he had started some pre-production thing. They spent five months building sets, and he left the project to go film Thelma and Louise, and they destroyed everything within a day. So... Very interesting. But if it wasn't for that happening, Catherine Bigelow wouldn't have gotten the movie and and done what she did with it. And I I think she did a tremendous job. Um, It's kind of fun to watch some of these movies back again that you haven't seen in a while and that aren't on a constant rotation. Uh, So for those of you that don't know, or maybe only those that have seen the remake version, which I admit I have not seen simply due to loyalty of this version. So, uh, however good the 20, I think it was 2015 version might be, I have not seen it, so I cannot compare. But we've got Johnny Utah, uh, played by Keanu Reeves, is a young and ambitious FBI agent that's trying to track this gang of surfers that are robbing banks dressed as the ex-presidents. And Keanu Reeves... So this is coming off like his Bill and Ted and whatever he did prior to Bill and Ted. I had only known him as the Bill and Ted movies, which I liked at the time when I was that age, when I was young. Um, They annoy me now. And at least in the beginning of the movie, you can still kind of hear his California surfery kind of accent. Um, and maybe I only hear those things because I'm from the Midwest and and I think we don't have an accent. Um, I've been told by others that we do have accents here, so I don't know. You tell me. Um, but I can hear it, especially in the beginning of the movie. Not so much near the end, but um, I can really hear it in the beginning, just the way he says certain words and phrases. Um, and then we have Gary Busey, who is his FBI partner, and he's kind of the joke of the squad. He um, is washed up, essentially. He's the old man, um, considered a joke by the other agents. So these two are partnered up, 
you know, this young, this young kid out of straight out of Quantico and the guy that nobody likes. So they'll put them together. And then we have Lori Petty who had just, was either just before or just after a league of their own. So she was kind of up and coming still, um, for movies at the time. And Patrick Swayze, who we all know and love, uh, for his various roles and, it, it's a it's a really good cast. Um, the other thing, as I was watching it, two two other castmates um, jumped out at me. There's a guy that plays a character named Rosie, and it wasn't until just a few minutes ago that I was watching, and he's got this long hair, you know, this surfer hair, and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, that's the guy from Oz, which really all all. TV shows. It's kind of like the Kevin Bacon of TV shows. Um, they all lead back to Oz. And um, so was, there was that guy in there. And then the one that plays the the head of the FBI um, of this particular division, he had just played the exact same role in Set It Off. So you can't tell me he's not typecast for some kind of, you know, detective, police captain, FBI captain type of role. Um, because he just says the same thing. He's wearing probably the exact same suit and tie. But, um, so that's our main group of characters. Um, instead of having actors that they taught how to surf, they had surfers that acted on the side. Um, I think similar to some of the other movies that I've talked about recently, it's, um, and other ones like, um, Miracle, um, just like Miracle, where they decided it was more important to have guys that can play hockey and deal with how they act versus actors that they have to train how to play hockey at an Olympic level. And um, so I don't think movies implore this too often, uh, but I think for some things it really sells the the action of it, if that's what you're going for. I think it just depends kind of what the direction of that particular role is. But um, this movie has surfing, skydiving. Um, you know, Patrick Swayze did like 55 dives um, or something on this movie, and they had to convince him to stop diving in between shoots and stuff because of insurance reasons. So um, they the director had had a deal with him that as long as he stopped going in between days and shoots, that at the very end, when they do the final uh, sky jump scene that, or skydiving, not sky jump, I don't know what sky jump is, but when they do that final scene, that he would be allowed to jump for real. So uh, that is the only portion that they are truly jumping. Uh, they are all professional skydivers with Patrick Swayze up there. Um, and all of the close-ups that they show of them while they're diving are actually about 10 feet off the ground. So they created these little crane things um, so they could get them up off the ground and simulate what a skydive would be. And they had these super powerful, huge uh, fans underneath them to to give the wind, but uh, apparently when you're free falling 
from whatever altitude you're at, uh, you cannot carry on a conversation. You can't talk to one another like they do in the film. So in order to be able to do that and have those those scenes, they had to film them closer. Obviously, there's some safety concerns with having actors go skydiving. So, you know, they had to contend with that. Um, and in addition, filming those scenes would be really difficult as well. So they also had these cranes set up for um, for the uh, camera operators as well. So they were able to get these more fluid, free-flowing shots, which I think turned out pretty well. There's only a couple times knowing what I knew when I was watching that I could see eh, that may not actually be, um, you know, that might not really be somebody jumping out of a plane kind of thing. So I think they did well with it. They also created some kind of a, they called it a pogo cam for uh, the foot chase scene. And it allowed the camera operator to run behind the actors, in front of the actors, go up and over things in between. You know, these guys run in houses, which, okay, side note. Have you ever noticed in a movie when they decide to run through somebody's backyard and in through their home, everybody's doors are always open. You know, maybe maybe that's the way it was back in the 80s and 90s, but I'll tell you what, I don't even go to my backyard without locking my door. I, I don't leave the house without locking my door. Uh, so if you tried running through my house, you would have would have a little bit of, of difficulty there. So um, I just always think that's funny. And this is not the only movie that you see this happening in. Anytime you have these foot chases where they're dashing in between houses, um, you know, they just open a door and run right in. Um, so kind of amuses me. Um, but there was, I liked that we had both the water element and the skydiving element. Um, it's very reminiscent of another movie that I I really, really liked, also set in the early 90s, which was Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes. And perhaps I'll have to talk about that one one of these days as well, um, because that one was really well done, and it all focuses on skydivers too. So um, that might be a an interesting one to take on next time. But so this, the movie itself went through a few different iterations for name. They, they had talked about calling it Johnny Utah, which is Keanu Reeves' character's name. Um, Riders on the Storm. And I don't know where that came from. I think that's a silly, silly name. But they turned it into Point Break because of its relevance to surfing. Now, I'm not a surfer, so I don't know, uh, I don't know what Point Break means. I don't know if that means when a wave is breaking on the surf. I, I don't know. So I'm not going to speculate on that, but um, I'm glad they went with it because I think it just sounds better. It has a catchier. Um, they had said that some of the other ones, you know, like Johnny Utah didn't tell us anything about what this movie was about, even though the whole movie is filmed through his eyes. Um, it doesn't tell me anything. I don't know that he was a former football player that got hurt and now he's an FBI player and or <laughs> FBI agent, not a player. Um, so, you know, the, the funny part about art imitating life, imitating art is, um, you know, Johnny Utah became a football 
or was a football player until a knee injury ended that career. So he became an FBI agent in real life. Keanu Reeves was a hockey player who was aspiring to greatness and suffered a knee injury. So he turned to acting. So um, a little bit of art and life there together. Um, so the a fun trivia piece is that the beach that they use for the football game um, in the movie is the same beach that was used for the Karate Kid soccer game. So um, they were all filmed roughly around the same time, so uh, it's not surprising that they would use some of the same locations in that area. Um, I did find it interesting how... So Patrick Swayze was coming off a couple of, of big hits. He had done Dirty Dancing, and then he had done Ghost, and... He was filming this movie, and near the end, he had to leave to go to Europe to do press for Ghost. So in the foot chase scene between Johnny Utah and Bodie, or Patrick Swayze's character, um, he's wearing his Ronald Reagan mask. That's not really Patrick Swayze. So that was his stunt double because he was gone to Europe. And... um, Apparently, for the for the most part, Patrick Swayze would always uh, demand that he did his stunts. He didn't want stunt doubles or people standing in for him. But in this case, he he when he saw it was very happy with uh, with the performance of his stunt doubles. So he was quite pleased with um, all the work the the guy did for that. Um, so MythBusters, they actually tested the jump scene with uh, Utah and Bodie just to see um, if he like if he could have had those conversations and they're falling for like 90 seconds on film um, you know he he could have caught him in the air but there's no way they could have had these conversations and uh, and free fall for 90 seconds so they said part of it is is false but um, so I think that's funny that Mythbusters decided to test out a scene from the movie. Um, Patrick Swayze also refused to use a stunt double for his surfing scenes. He wanted to to learn enough so he could appear competent. Um, but for the truly technical scenes that they had in there, they used a double uh, for the very last scene where he goes into the, the big wave they also used um, a surfing champion for that part because uh, that was just too dangerous of a stunt for somebody that didn't know what he was doing, really. Uh, They had planned, apparently, to release a sequel to this movie. Um, It was going to be released in 1993. The script was written, and it was actually in pre-production. And despite the success of this film in theaters, they scrapped it surprisingly um so i'm i'm i don't know if maybe some of that was picked up for the the reboot i don't know or the i don't know what you call the the new point break but um so james cameron and Catherine bigelow actually rewrote the final script together and they are not officially credited um for this role that they that they took on um and it was during I think it was during a Terminator um, 
uh, Terminator 2, I think James Cameron uh, confirms that at the end of Point Break, uh, Bodhi actually, he does actually kill himself in that, in that uh, wave. So in case you were wondering if you thought he escaped and swam away or something during this 50-year storm, he did not. That was his way of going out on his own terms. So James Cameron um, cleared that up for us during um, some of the uh, background scenes for Terminator 2. And... What I what I do like is there are some references to previous movies for Johnny or for um, uh, Patrick Swayze in here. At one point, the last thing Johnny Utah says to Bodhi is "Via con Dios." Just like in Red Dawn, the last words that Patrick Swayze's character, he plays a character called Ned, um, says to this one colonel is "Via con Dios," and there's other. References at one point, uh, Patrick Swayze's character says, oh, it reminds me of a 1957 Cadillac I used to own. Well, if you have seen Dirty Dancing, he is driving a 1957 Cadillac. So it's kind of fun to see that they throw some of those um, those little bits and pieces in there to, uh, to the characters' other roles in films. Um, they, uh, they also said that filming some of the surfing scenes at nighttime would have been too dangerous. So what they did is they filmed them during the day and then completed it with visual effects to make it appear that it was nighttime. And so watching it again, you can see their shadows in the water in ways that it, it wouldn't make sense that it was the moon that was giving them a shadow. So um, it's interesting that, that they can do that. Um, you know, and, and use that as a trick, but, um, that's how they, that's how they filmed those night shots. And for those that love the amount of cussing that happens in the movies, um, the, uh, F word is said 105 times in this movie. Um, now let me tell you, normally it doesn't bother me to hear so much swearing. I really don't care. If you ever watch a movie like this with my parents, I'm counting all of them in my head because every time they say something, I can just hear them go, oh, I can't believe they said that. Oh, I can't believe they said that. You know, I could just hear it um, every time. But the other thing I really like is all the stories that I read about how passionate Catherine Bigelow was to have Keanu Reeves as the as the main character, um, I guess Johnny Depp was initially tapped for it, but she really wanted Keanu Reeves. And they they said this is going to ruin the movie because he's coming off things like uh, Bill and Ted. And, and she believed he could become an action star. And so this was his first true action type movie. And we saw the trajectory of, of where he went from here doing, you know, movies like Speed and the Matrix trilogy and... Or can we say it the quadrilla since the new one's coming out? I can't wait for that, by the way. But, um, you know, so she she saw something in him beyond Bill and Ted. Um, and she really fought for him and essentially said, if he doesn't do it, I'm not doing it. Um, and she also fought for having Lori Petty as the female lead. And at the time, apparently they were parading a bunch of the blonde haired, you know, what you would consider this surfer chick um, 
that's who they were that they were auditioning for the role. And she really wanted somebody edgy that was athletic and kind of atypical to type. So she really fought to have Lori Petty in the role. And I think it works. I I think Lori Petty is really gritty. I think she just is different. And I like different. So um, I think she works really well in this role. Uh, there, there was apparently an FBI agent that wrote a book in 2004 called Where the Money Is. And he says that he spent some time with Keanu Reeves to give him tips for how to be, I don't know, how to be a, an FBI agent, I guess. Um, and he writes in his book that, unfortunately, none of the pointers came within a million miles of the finished film. Turns out life as an FBI agent isn't as exciting as Point Break makes it out to be, nor is it very accurate. And as he writes in his book, Point Break is one of the dumbest bank robbery movies ever made. So, um, yeah, there's that. Um, and it, you know, it's not meant to be true. It's it's escapism. It's, you know, entertainment. And um, I think for some of those jobs that different agencies have, I think they would bore me to tears. So, um, yeah, that, you know, it's... It is Hollywood. It is what it is. But so Point Break is one that I I do love. I need to watch it more often just to have on the background. I think um, if you haven't seen it in a while, go pop it in. It is definitely well worth watching again. A um, couple final thoughts as I as I close up this podcast today. Um, when I was when I was watching, I had some chuckling moments where. Um, when they have the raid on the surfing group, not the not the one that ended up being our um, our perpetrators here, but Johnny Utah gets his ass kicked by a naked lady coming out of the shower. I've part I've personally thought that part was really funny, um, and watching it again uh, really amused me. Um, I but I do like the fight scene that takes place after that around the lawnmower. I think having something like that lawnmower you know, two inches from your face. I think that's, that's a pretty dramatic part of the film. Um, and when they go in to rob uh, the bank uh, that Johnny and his partner are, are scoping out, um, and he goes to get the meatball sandwiches, you know, two meatball sandwiches, he orders that and gets them in like 20 seconds. Um, unless everything is pre-made and it's sitting there, that is the fastest sandwich ordering ever. That would, Jimmy John's needs to step it up to keep, keep up with their, um, whatever their slogan is about, uh, fast, fast delivery or whatever. Um, so I do like when they get into the car chase though after they're they're going after them and you know they go squealing around a corner and off rolls the hubcap as they always do in these movies um and then you know you've got a foot chase and at one point they're rolling around in the flames and so patrick swayze's jacket is on fire you know i mean of course that would happen um i also noticed that johnny gets beat with a vacuum (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think I really paid attention to that before. Um, and then he's there's a pit bull thrown at him, which thankfully they did a mix of pup, uh, like a stuffed dog and a real dog. And um, so the dog was not hurt and was trained for that moment. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but the, the very, very end of the movie, you'll notice that when Keanu finds, or when, um, when he finds Bodhi, that Keanu's character has long hair and Patrick Swayze's character has short hair because it's, it was shot about six months after the wrap of the initial film. And, um, they each had to change their hair for the next film. So it thankfully worked in the story because it seemed like Bodhi was trying to hide and so he may have cut his hair a little bit and um, Johnny was getting sort of disenfranchised with the FBI so he was looking a little scraggly by that point and just didn't didn't care anymore. So um, I thought that was a, a nice little touch. But that is... That is my wrap-up, my thoughts for now. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for me. Um, it's going to keep staying crazy, so that's fine. That's how it goes, but I happen to have some time. And uh, like I said, when I hear 30th anniversary of a movie that I that I like, um, I figured that had to be something that we chat about. So thank you for joining me tonight, and take care and be well.